Welcome, friend, to the trifecta of joy. What is the trifecta? Awareness, befriending your inner critic, and raising your vibe. This podcast is about you, your life, your adventure, and how to live it juicy. Our podcast is brought to you by Perfectly Imperfect Life Coaching. Download your free joy guide at www.freejoybook.com. A gift from us to you. Again, www.freejoybook.com. I'm your host, Tanya Gill. But really, we're in this together. Connected, sharing, and adventuring through life. So let's do it with joy. Friends, welcome to the Trifecta of Joy. I'm joined today by Stuart Elliott. Stuart is a mindful hypnotic life coach, and he helps people snap out of their trances of unworthiness and self-sabotage so they can go on to create a deeply fulfilling, happy life. Now, the trifecta of joy is about awareness, befriending your inner critic, and raising your vibe. So Stuart, I'm so glad you're here to join us today. Thank you for inviting me. It's wonderful to be able to speak and share some stories with your audience and you yourself, obviously. So it's great. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. So before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about the impact and power of the subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, tell me a little bit about your experience of working with people and their subconscious mind. Well, the subconscious mind, you know, the, the conscious and subconscious are just labels. And really, the mind is the mind. But, you know, for convenience, we like to use labels. And, I'll, you know, we can talk about labels later, because they are very important in English language. Mm-hmm. But um, really, the subconscious mind is there to protect us to help us. We all know about the fight or flight syndrome, we all know that we breathe, but we don't consciously not consciously aware of it most of the time and uh, you know it's it's an automatic process but it also can pick up messages shall we say from unintended sources which would then we can process and take and use unconsciously without realizing it to um, limit us and a good example of this is you know when a parent has a child you know the child starts crying runs into something or something like that and it starts crying or just cries for no reason as children do and the parent comes along, I said, what's wrong with you? And they start, you know, giving a lot of attention. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? The message keeps coming through. And through childhood, the unconscious mind picks up, what's wrong with me? There's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. And then later in life, this then becomes a part of their habitual thinking that they're, they're not perfect, that there's something wrong with them. Mm. done with the best intention but people don't understand because again we're not taught a lot about the mind and communication in in school or even through childhood we're just assumed to be able to communicate now it's much better to say what's making you cry yeah something's making me cry and it's you know it's such a simple little thing and you know again with wording with 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 um the way we talk to ourselves, or the way we think. Or if you say to me, how can I help you? The message to my unconscious is, can you help me? It's not the message you wanted to give. Now, if you just said, I'm curious how I can help you. We oh, switched it around. so interesting, right? Ah, yeah. how can I help you versus... How I can. How I can help you. The message is now how, not whether or not you can help me. 
And there's, there's, you know, there's lots of this type of talking we're doing to ourselves every single day. And we forget all the things that we can do, that we've learned to do, all the difficult things like walking, like writing, like speaking, all these things, we forget them. They're just, everyone can do that. And then we, we've met with a new challenge. I can't do that. Huh. It's so but interesting. We don't add on that yet. And yeah. I, but I can learn and remember that we learned to walk. I mean, did you ever meet a child that doubted it could walk? Oh, good point. One step at a it. time. Yeah, it just did it because it knew it could. And my little child, uh, my oldest child, when she first took a, a couple of steps, she then goes, yeah. she's so happy. <laughs> and that's what we should do. We should learn from our past, from our progress and from children. Yes, 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 yes. You know, it's so it's so fitting because what you know, in in part one of the foundations of the trifecta of joy is befriending your inner critic. And befriending mm -hmm. your inner critic is recognizing that you do come from that cultural stew, right? So mm -hmm. and the cultural stew is everything that you learn and you pick up along the way in life, right? Everything like the don't not knows, right? what you shouldn't do and and often they came from a place of keeping us safe like you said yeah. mm -hmm. and yet we in internalize them and sometimes those internal stories become mm -hmm. so embedded in us that we don't even recognize that we're reacting to a very very old story that really no longer is the truth Right. Yeah. Well, maybe it was never the truth in the first place. You know, that's the thing. But we just took it on as the truth, and 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 that you know that's where a lot of challenges lie with people. You know, that's 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 the thing. Our mind is very funny. You know, there's a lot of little things like that that we can pick up, and they're not meant to be negative, but we take them internally as negative. We do. We do. We take them as internally as negative, and then we make that about our experience of our self-worth right mm -hmm. and what we believe we are capable of doing moving forward right mm -hmm. and i think that i think that as humans we are meant to evolve and we are meant to grow and we are meant to experience we are meant to falter and fail along the way and yes. that's part of living juicy too mm -hmm. is the learning that comes along the way yeah, I mean, um, I just sent a message to one of my clients yesterday to say to her that your failures or mistakes of yesterday are your reservoir of wisdom for today. And that's so true. It's just what you said. The reservoir of wisdom for today. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um in one of my programs, I have a program called Shine, and it's about body awareness and and really loving yourself to a place of moving into, if, if you want to lose weight, that can be part of your path. If you want to create peace with your body as it is, that's part of it. But it really is a mind, body, spirit experience, right? Mm -hmm. and, that's, and that's such an important piece of understanding ourselves. What I love is that when you talk about that, you know, one of the things that we come up with when you talk about the failures of the past being being your wisdom of today and, and, and being able to acknowledge that wisdom of today is that 
we can be in that place of fear. And you know, the acronym for fear, face everything and rise or run. <laughs> fuck everything and run. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and really we, I think that sometimes our minds, you know, we go through that back and forth, back and forth of this fear exists. And what do I do with it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And what do I do with that fear? Have you ever had an experience in your life where you've really been faced with a fear and, and how did you move through it? I've had many. I mean, I spent a lot of time in Africa. I spent um, nearly 20 years living there and I love the African bush. I love being outside with the, the wild animals, the big five camping, you know, in, in game reserves. I've had lions sniffing around the tents at nighttime. And the very, very first time that happened, that was that was pretty scary. I just <laughs> laid there and I put cotton wool in my ears just to keep, just so that I didn't hear anything and tried to keep as still and quiet as possible. And the next morning, when you see these footprints this big, all the way around the tent, then you think to yourself, "Yeah, well." But you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I was on a game reserve. Uh, sorry, it's not a game reserve. A game, a morning game walk one morning, and. Um, I love to be next to the ranger, the guy, you know, who's at the front because I want to see things. And there was eight of us in this, this little party and the other people were just chattering away at the back, you know, and they were quite spread out. And this guy said to us, he knows there's an old buffalo bull here and he's going to take us to, to see it. So we're going along and then, you know, he said, oh, there, there it is. You can see this little thing in the bush. And this buffalo was a little bit upset because it was a little bit cantankerous. So he made a mock charge. And then, you know, it's, it, it disappeared into the bush. And the guy, we, we all froze, obviously, and the, the guy said, okay, I think it's gone now, it's okay. Just be quiet and be careful. So we're carrying on. And I said, no, I can see it. He said, where? I said, over there in the bush. I can see, I can see it there. And he said, no, there's nothing there. I said, I can see it. And then the whole bush exploded. And this guy came out and he was serious this time he had his head down the whole works and he's 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 coming full speed and they can move pretty damn fast they're about a ton and a half of weight you know an african buffalo and the guide he was so um worried that this was going to be a, a, um, a big problem that he dropped and he had his rifle off in a second and he's, he's you know leveling up trying to shoot it he was on the ground i dropped at the same time my wife who's now my ex-wife but um she was off like Usain Bolt. She was just gone. <laughs> Nothing was stopping her. Wow. And the next thing you know, there's this incredible wall of noise emanating from myself and from the, uh, the ranger. I don't know where it came from, but we were just screaming as loud as we could. And the, the buffalo sort of like stopped dead. And he's like, what the heck happened? The only people he could see, me and the ranger, dropped. And there's this volume of sound. And then th this other person has gone off you know, on a mad 100-yard sprint. And he said, this is not right. There's something wrong here. So he just twiddled, yeah, twiddled around and shot off into the bush and running away. And you know, after a, a few seconds, it seemed like you know, forever because everything slows down. We collected ourselves and we, we got up and we found my ex-wife on the finish line of her 100 meter dash with the other people who had no idea what was going on. She'd knocked a couple of them over when she was running because, you know, she wasn't stopping for anything. And then we're all chattering away like nervous monkeys. And it's amazing what 
power you have. I mean, I have no idea where that volume of, of noise came from. I didn't even know I was screaming. <laughs> it, it just appeared. And it's, you know, it's wonderful that we could do that because we didn't have to harm the buffalo. You know, that, that's the thing. And, uh, mm. you know, the, 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 the power, the, the, the excitement, the wonder of that was just, it was just so special. I was never scared. I never felt scared at all. I just, it was just so energizing. And I could see a, an ant walking on the, in, on the ground at about 200 paces. I could just see it. I was just so, so charged up with everything. And it's wonderful, these, you know, to have that experience. Now, not everybody would be able to react in the same way. Yeah. Some yeah. people would actually freeze and, 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 you know, obviously get hurt. Other people would just run and all sorts of things can happen, you know. So we, we all react in different ways. And, and that was an automatic behavior. Where it came from, I don't know. But it's, it's, it's an ability to have it. It was a wonderful experience, you know. Well, and what is so interesting about that is that everyone was having the exact same experience of, of, of that very dangerous animal being in a space of proximity and potential risk. Mm -hmm. And so everyone, everyone reacted differently, like you said, yeah. mm -hmm. and then the after effect, uh, the experience that you had of it, you know, you said you didn't have any fear in it, which is no, incredible. It sounds like it was almost an exhilarating adventure. It was, I mean, obviously there was something there that, that made me scream. But yeah. was it, you know, how do you, you know, consider, you know, how do you label fear? What actually is fear? I mean, there's so many ways we can think of fear. For instance, a speaker going on stage, they're nervous. They do get scared. They do get worried. You know, pop stars, rock stars, performers, some of them are in the bathroom vomiting before the performance. But when they get out there, that energy is collected and put into their performance, into to how they, they, they are. So it's a very interesting word, you know, fear is, you know, it, it can be in some ways empowering and other ways it can be debilitating as, as you know, as we say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. We, one of the things that, uh, that, that we talk about often is the similarity between the sensation in our body between fear mm -hmm. and excitement. Yeah. Right. And, and, mm -hmm. That, that sensation in our body, often we feel it. Lots of people say they feel it in their stomach or they feel like a, an energizing sensation through their body. And, and often we'll label it as fear rather than excitement or anticipation. Mm -hmm. And that's really about what's happening between our ears, right? That's about what's happening in our brains. Yep. It's about our interpretation of it. Yeah, I mean, this, this is the problem with words that, that I find. And um, words are only labels for, to make it convenient to communicate. Mm. And we associate things with words unconsciously. For instance, I was on a train call uh, a couple of years back, a hypnotherapy uh, training call. And we you know, went into breakout rooms and I was doing an exercise with this lady. And we were talking about benign attention, just accepting, just noticing. But because we'd chosen the phrase benign attention, there was something in that word that she couldn't latch onto. She couldn't understand. She had negativity. She had so much negativity there. And we, you know, through the discussion, I found out that she, she was a, uh, a caregiver in a terminal cancer facility. 
and she saw a lot of horrendous suffering every single day. And obviously benign is associated in some people's lexicon with tumors and cancer. Mm. Is this tumor benign or whatever? So she's got all these negative associations with this word that she's bringing into this thing without knowing it. And it, it just obviously wasn't working for her. So I got out the thesaurus and just read off a few synonyms to her. And all of a sudden, one of them just think that's it, the light bulb went off, all the negativity went away, and she now understood what we were doing, what we were talking about. That's the one word. And if I hadn't have been aware that she was the, you know, reacting negatively to that word, I would have carried on and she would never have been on the same page with me. And this is the, the challenge we have with words. You know, we assume that everybody else has the same attachment and the same understanding of the word to us. And if we're not reading the other person energetically or, uh, you know, visually or whatever, we won't see that. So we don't give, a, we don't have a proper communication. We give a mixed message to the person. So it's something that we need to, I would just we need to be taught at school, but we're not. We just assume to be able to communicate because we can talk or, you know, we can use words and, you know, we, we miss that whole point. It, it really speaks to how communication is on a lot of different levels, right? We assume, I think there's an assumption that communication is about speaking and language, but, but what it's so much more about is it, it's, you know, it is about that honor, empathy, love, and presence. It's about showing up for that person. And before it's about speaking, it's about listening. Yeah. Right? And reading. Is... I say listen with your whole body. Yeah. Yeah. Not just your ears. No. And you know, it's funny. I remember, I remember once I many, many years ago, I did a course and um, we were all given this image of a giant heart with two ears. Mm -hmm. And we were told to doctor it up to make it the perfect listening heart. And it was so interesting how, what people did. And most people put an eye, put eyes, a nose and a mouth on it. Mm -hmm right? Because we want to be able to see, and then we want to use all of our senses. And then of course, we want to be able to communicate. But the perfect listening heart remains just that it's the heart with ears. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that it's that element of that just holding the space and listening versus being in that space of always planning what you're going to say. Like, so for example, the, this podcast is a perfect example. You know, I, I usually ask for a couple of questions that someone might want me to ask in the event that they have something specific they want to talk about. But I like that this is that this podcast is really about just having conversation mm -hmm. and being with what comes. Yeah, I think that's important because that's that, natural, isn't it? It is. It is natural. And it is that mm -hmm. space of really holding holding space with the other person and being able to really truly see them mm -hmm. yeah right? i mean and and the word see is very interesting as well i mean because whilst we were talking i was thinking of an experience i had 
um, a few years ago on another hypnotherapy training, actually. At the end of the course, it was a live course, you know, in-person course, uh, we had to do a one-hour exam and give a, a hypnotherapy session to somebody else. And the person I was paired up with was blind. And I was totally apprehensive about this because I have no idea how to talk to a blind person. And again, this is me labeling and judging and everything else and making or starting to make what could have been a problem, uh, something beautiful into a problem. But because I became aware of that, I actually went in more open-minded and had a wonderful, wonderful conversation with this gentleman. And it, it brought home something I knew, but it really brought home in a big way the fact that because we're sighted, we're actually more impaired than someone who's blind because we rely too much on our sight. 70, 80% of our messages come through vision. And yet he told me that he'd, he'd just recently been on a, on a holiday because he, he lives in Switzerland and we were in Amsterdam at the time. And he'd been on a holiday to the Highlands of Scotland on his own, no white stick, no guide dog. And he said he was at the top of, of, of one of the mountains wow. and he could see, and this is his language, he could see the birds, he could see the seagulls, he could see the smell. And, you know, you talk to him about colors, he, he, you know, he could see red, green, he could see everything. And he could see, but he's, got, he's blind. Uh, so what systems is he using within his body that we've all got? And he, you know, he, he, he can function perfectly. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful lesson to me. It's, you know, it, it, because we become so dependent on our vision. And mm -hmm. we think that's the only way we can see, but we can see in so many ways. And through that experience, I've done more and more work uh, just by the phone. And I, I can read the people, I can feel the energy changes and the shifts and everything else through the phone. And I think, you know, a lot of the time, especially doing in-person work with people, it's a good idea to start practicing that, you know, because we rely too much on the vision and we forget what's going on. I mean, one time I was talking with another client on the phone and it was a lady and I said to her, oh, you've just leant back in the chair. It sounds like you're relaxing now. And we're on the phone call. And she's just stopped. She's like, I, I, I could just picture her looking around for hidden video cameras or something like that. How the heck did you know that? But that's what we do. We have that ability to read energy if we practice it and we become aware that we've got that ability. Yeah, yeah. And, and reading the energy of others is a really powerful tool because yeah. really at the end of the day, we are all vibration. We are all energy. Mm -hmm. and 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 raising your vibration is about being able to recognize the energy of others and 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 feeding off of one another and nurturing one another in that energetic exchange mm -hmm. and it definitely doesn't just take vision to create that right no, no. um and yes. and with the the world of the internet and as it is like i mean you and i are having this amazing conversation stuart where in the world are you right now I'm in the south of China, so it's quite a way away from the States. <laughs> right. And so, and actually I'm in Canada. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so we're in very different physical worlds right now. Mm -hmm. And yet, isn't it absolutely incredible how we can have an energetic exchange right now 
and yeah, we we're can in the same world what's that we're in the same world thank you for that thank you for that yes 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 right like that's what's so amazing is we are in the same world and our listeners who are going to hear this podcast are also mm -hmm. in and of the same world and so we are human beings having our own human experiences and able to energetically share it on a global scale and you know animals are very very good at reading energy yes I mean, everybody knows about, or most people know about dogs and how they can read. But I remember an ex, um, a beautiful experience I had when I was in Zimbabwe. And my friend and I were camping, you know, doing a camping trip of, uh, on the, the game reserves on the you know, western side of, of Zimbabwe. And we stayed this one night in, near Victoria Falls National Park. And there's a lot, you know, it's, it's open countryside, most of Botswana and Zimbabwe and places like they don't have fences at the game reserve. So any animals come along and, and go as they want to. And that's wonderful. And this one evening, we decided to have a brine. We'd rented a little chalet on, on the you know, the side of the river, but, you know, not far from the banks of the river, just up from the falls. And a brine is a barbecue in, in South African parlance. And I said to Roy, I said, look, you get the meat ready and I'll go and build a fire. And they had a little brick bright area next to, you know, the house about 20, 30 feet away from the house. Mm -hmm. And I just went out there, you know, as dusk was falling and got the wood ready. And as I was about to, to put a flame to it, I just looked up into the bush, which is about 10 feet away. It's thick, thick bush and trees and everything. So it's really nice. But I just looked up in there and I saw an elephant standing there watching me. Wow. And my first thought was that if I light the fire now, the smoke's going to be there and it's not going to be polite. So I didn't light the fire. I just stood there and we had a conversation. He read my energy and I wasn't a threat and I wasn't out of this environment. I was part of the environment and I could have this. I, I could read his energy and he wasn't a threat. There was no fear, nothing. It was just beautiful. And as I stood there and we had this silent communication, then I noticed next to him, there's a small deer-sized antelope called a bushbuck. And he was also standing there just watching me. A little bit later, a small family of warthogs came down, you know, toward the river to get their evening sun down there. And one of them just brushed against my leg as I went past. He hadn't, or it hadn't even thought about me being a person. I was just part of the environment. It's just, you know, it's just so wonderful. And this lasted, you know, for, for um, several minutes. And we just stood there. And uh, then I heard a chattering and, and creaking and crashing of branches. And a troop of baboons came across as they were going to, to find somewhere safe to roost for the night. And then as the dust got deeper and, and it got darker, the elephant just slowly, casually turned around and just melted away, disappeared. And the bushbuck went with him and I was just stood there. And it was just... That energetic communication, that, 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 that period, it was just so, so beautiful. I mean, you can't put words to it. Not a word was spoken. We didn't need because we had that energy language, that energy communication. And it's just wonderful that we can have those experiences. We don't need to go to Africa to do that. If we choose to, we can, we can experience them with our friends, with our family. I mean, you know, if you've got a family, sometimes you just know what your partner or your child or relation is, is going to do, you know, because you've got that communication already. Yeah, yeah. And, and some of that is synergy. Some mm. of that is the synergy that we have with a loved one or a partner, those kinds of things. I think, though, that the other piece of it that, that is 
is so transferable is that the energy really does kind of also to a certain degree dictate that outcome. So for example, with the water buffalo, you screamed and that energy was very different and it obviously backed off, which was beautiful because you guys needed that in order to stay safe and, and be okay in that. He did. He did and, as well. <laughs> and he did too, absolutely, because reality is, is had he decided to move on you, unfortunately, he probably would have been met with a very unfortunate ending mm -hmm. in a way it, as a means to protect you guys. Mm -hmm. As you talk about this experience, preparing to build this fire and then feeling the energetic space of the elephant specifically is speaking to my heart among the other animals. Mm -hmm. You know, we have those, we have those opportunities and experiences with other humans. You can walk into a room and feel the tension, for example, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And, and, you know, it really is about what we as human beings choose to do with, do with that energy too. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, that takes choice. That takes chances, conscious choice, doesn't it? And that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. It's the awareness, the acceptance and the choice that we make afterwards. And if we understand that, that's very empowering. Yeah, yeah, it is the choice. It is the choice, you know, and we say like attracts like, right? We mm -hmm. say that vibration scientifically like attracts like. So, so, you know, when you're creating an environment that is peaceful, for example, like with the, with the animals, when you chose not to build the fire, it, it creates that energy that says unspoken, right? Unspoken that says, hey, like, this is the space that I'm holding. Mm -hmm. And you're invited to be a part of it. Yep. And I'm holding this space for and with you, unspoken. Mm -hmm. But we feel that energy and animals, you know, I think it's not just about sharing human experiences, it is about mm -hmm. sharing life on this planet. Mm -hmm. Because again, we're all part of the planet, aren't we? We're not separate. And, and this is one of the, the challenges we have. There's a lot of humans think we are separate. We're above all this, but we're not. We're part of the whole system, part of the weather, part of the rivers, part of the, you know, we are the energy. And, you know, if we can get this message to people that, that this is it's not somewhere we live, it is part of us. Maybe we will protect the planet more because we're harming ourselves. Mm, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know, and that really does come back to as human beings having that human experience, deepening our mm -hmm. own awareness, deepening yep. that relationship with ourselves so that we can trust ourselves in how mm -hmm. we're showing up in and of the world. Yeah, and, and talking of awareness, that goes back to the word as a label how many people really have this deeper understanding of awareness what does it mean to a lot of people mm, right what does it mean what does awareness mean to you mm. well i mean awareness is about connection to me it's about knowing everything is part of me and i am part of everything else because we're all at the end of the day we're all energy just different you know uh, frequencies of energy that we can see so once you understand that and, and you start working with that, awareness is about everything. You could be here talking and there's a bird flying through the sky there and you see it, you're aware of it, you see it. I mean, 
when I was in South Africa, living in South Africa, I was at a, a garden of a client and it was a rundown garden. I was doing garden maintenance, cleaning it. And I saw on the edge of the swimming pool, a little kingfisher. Mm. And he was looking at the pool and all of a sudden he just looks up and he's got his beak there, like, you know, an artillery piece or something like that in the sky. And he just froze like that with his beak up. I looked up and so far in the sky, high, 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 you could hardly see it was a little speck, which was a hawk. <gasps> and how did he, this kingfisher, know that that hawk was there? Uh, I could hardly see the thing. He just knew and he stayed there until the hawk passed. And he's there because his beat was like, was, was his protection at that time. He was just totally aware. And, and that's the thing. They have that awareness. When I was camping in the Serengeti, we, we were surrounded by this massive, massive herd of uh, wildebeest. And they formed a circle around our campsite about, okay. I don't know, two or three hundred feet, uh, you know, in distance. It was just this clear ground. And if you walked out ten paces from, you know, where, where the, the, uh, we were camping, the, the wildebeest on that side would move back ten paces. They didn't stop grazing, they didn't stop doing anything they were doing, they just knew, and they just automatically moved back. And if you walk back into the camp, they just moved back to that boundary. They had this fixed distance that they were aware was a safety, excuse me, a safety net. Hmm. And they knew. They could just, you know, read everything. Mm -hmm. so awareness is so much more than just a little word. It's part of us about from being, I mean, We've all heard stories of a mother whose child's in another country, thousands and thousands of miles away, has an accident. The mother suddenly knows that there's a problem. She needs to get in touch with her. That's awareness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 a, it's such a big word. And, you know, I, and I think that part of awareness is also being able to tap into that intuition. But, it, you know, we have to recognize that there are different levels of awareness, right? So... What happens is we move through life subconsciously, kind of just through a habit cycle, doing a lot of the same things, having, you know, 35,000 thoughts a day, our brains are just going, going, going. And, mm -hmm. and, and so the awareness is actually recognizing what you're experiencing beyond just letting the autopilot happen. But then, you know, moving into that space of recognizing, oh, this is my experience of this. But then also being able to expand it, like you say, into that deeper knowing, the awareness that becomes a deeper knowing. And that deeper knowing is, I think, where a lot of people put up their blocks, right? I think a lot of people block their intuition, block their gut, block that, that feeling, that niggle that they experience because we let our brains take over sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing, because we're too involved in our day-to-day -day living, being, whatever you want to do, and we don't allow the connection to the energy systems. I mean, a lot of the uh, ancient indigenous people, they knew the places on Earth where there was energy, where there was a special thing. And we've forgotten that, we've lost that, or we've had it conditioned out of us because of the way society has become structured. Mm. But if you just, I mean, this is why one of, one of the um, basic tenets of mindfulness is to be in nature, yes. to just be. 
And, you know, it, it's just amazing. If you can actually stop that chatter, that noise, and just let it be, how much different you feel, how much more peaceful, how much more connected you feel, because now you're starting to exercise that awareness and you start seeing, you start hearing, you start feeling, you see, everything just changes, doesn't it? It's, it, it's just such a, a beautiful thing. And, you know, talking of nature, in, in parts of Africa, there's, there are a lot of baobab trees and these trees can live a long time, several thousand years. Have, have we ever thought to consider what these trees have seen over that period of time? Oh, Stuart, I love that you asked that. I love that you asked that. I personally have such an, I'm going to call it an intimate relationship with trees. Mm. Um, mm. Even in my own yard, I had a tree that fell ill and mm. unfortunately had to be cut down. And I literally wept that mm. this tree's life had come to an end. And, and you know, I do. I I love that because Yes. Do we often think about what these trees have experienced, what they have, like you say, seen mm -hmm. through their seasons, through their environment, through time? Yeah. Wow. And, you know, it's been proven now that trees do communicate with her, each other. And, if you know, if one tree in a, in a whole uh, forest area of, of similar trees is attacked by caterpillars, for instance, it releases chemicals, pheromones that, that the other trees pick up, read, and they produce a, um, a bitterness or, or however you want to call it in their sap, which then prevents the caterpillars from feasting on them. So they have a communication, they have a much more advanced communication than we ever, ever give them credit for. We just yeah. see it as a piece of wood, but there's not this. I mean, I, mean, I don't know how old the trees are in um, Canada, but throughout the world, the trees live, you know, hundreds of years, 50, 100, 200 or more years, in some places even longer. You know, what have they seen? What have they experienced? And, and you know, if, you, if we could talk to trees, as people say, we become very wise. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. It brings me back to a, a child, a, a, a book. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Shel Silverstein and the, the Giving Tree. But, you know, it's the story of a boy and this tree. And as life goes on, this boy comes to the tree for fruit and for shade and for solace. And then as it gets older, it goes on and, and it carves its initials in the tree trunk when it when this boy falls in love. And and then the, the boy goes off and lives his life and then comes back. And, and you know, the tree, it's the relationship of the tree e through its life even as it ends up becoming a stump and how it's offerings to life, the life of this boy, as he moved through his life, um, you know, that, that relationship, if you will, mm -hmm. the relationship. And I think that we, I think that we do, we have those kinds of relationships with our environment um, when we're intentional and aware and mm -hmm whether we have the relationship of like with a tree, like in that book, for example, or if we can expand it to the value of all of nature and how it impacts us and nurtures us as human souls, I think mm -hmm. is really, really powerful to consider that. It is because, you know, again, we are part of nature. We, we're not separate. And this is the thing that, that the modern world has devised, whereas the, you know, the indigenous, our ancestors, they, they knew they were connected. 
they were part of that whole thing. The, you know, there, there was a wonderful story I read in a book called um, The Lost World of the Kalahari about the, the Bushmen of, of Southern Africa. It was, it was written by Lawrence van der Post. And he spent some time with them. He's, I think he was an anthropologist or something. I can't remember his, his correct title, but anyway, he spent some time living with them and he went on a hunt with them one day. And he was in a four by four trying to keep up with them whilst they were hunting this uh, big antelope, which is called a chemsbok. It, it's, it's about the size of a cow or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they chased it for something like 30, 40 miles before they finally you know, brought it down. And part of the, the whole thing is the ritual they have of, of saying thanks and being grateful to the animal for you know, providing the food for them, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But in this, this chase, the Bushmen were running along through the desert and he saw in the car, as I say, he was struggling to keep up with them, uh, a big snake, a big cobra rise in front of this one Bushman. And he thought, oh, no, that's it. He, he's finished. And this Bushman was full tilt, you know, he's just running, running, and he just casually jumped over it and carried on. He didn't break stride. He hadn't seen, hadn't um, uh, got any fear. He was just part of that environment and he saw and reacted without even thinking. But here's, here's, here's the interesting thing about another percept part of their awareness. When they finally brought the animal down and they've finished the prayers and that, they have a problem. How do they get this massive animal back home to where they're staying? It's 30, 40 miles away in the desert. They don't. They send two people or a couple of people back to go get the families. And that's why they have such um, collapsible shelters that they just make up on the fly. And the, the rest of the people stay there to keep the predators away. But this is 30, 40 miles in the heat of a chase. How do they know where they've, got, they've come from? Oh my gosh. Of that environment, they know. So they just go back, it's no problem. They have this built in um, connection, being, understanding. I don't know how you can put it in words, but they are part of that. So they just know, they just go back, they collect the families, they come back and then they, they stay there for the next, however long it takes to finish the, 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 you know, the meal. And the great, they have their gratitude and they have all their, their um, connections and, and um, rituals that they go through. They're part of the land, they're part of the environment. And we're, you know, as human beings, the, the modern race, we're the only uh, group of people, I think, that, that have divorced ourselves from our environment. Mm -hmm. and, and that definitely brings it back to when we divorce ourselves from the environment, it makes it a lot harder for us to feel that really, truly deep awareness. It does. Right? Yeah. And, and, and it negatively impacts us because we don't see ourselves. We don't understand the actual powers, the truth about what we have. The power and the truth of what we have. The power and the truth of what we have. It's about connecting back to that power and truth of what we have as our own individual human beings having our human experience. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow. Stuart, this has been such an incredible conversation. You know, I just really appreciate how we've been able to weave together the concept of thoughts and ideas and, and, you know, our own internal limitations, and also how we connect with our environment to deepen that knowing on a on a really, truly powerful individual level. Um, this has just been absolutely incredible. Now, I know that my listeners are going to want to know more about you. What is the best place for our listeners to find you, Stuart? 
Well, the best place is LinkedIn because of the, uh, you know, the firewalls and things like that. I don't have the other social media. And I think I gave you my LinkedIn uh, URL. But the other thing is they can email me at stuart at spg.bz or Z if you're American. Um, and Stuart is S-T-U-A-R-T. Um, you know, they, if they want to. And, I, you know, I, I love to have a conversation. And the nice thing about this, this little short period of time is there's no distance. Yes. Yes. Because we are part and we are one. And, and that's, that's the, the, one of the big messages that I think we need to share with everybody. We are one. We can become aware of that. And then, you know, we can have such a much better life, much more innovating, exciting. We are one. We are part of a collective. We are one. Thank you so much, Stuart. I will make sure that your contact information is in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And um, to our friends, thank you for listening to the trifecta of joy. Thank you for joining us with this amazing conversation with Stuart Elliott about really deepening that awareness on a, on a really, truly mind, body, spirit, and whole collective level. Words don't do it justice, do they? (laughs) No, they, and and that's a perfect example, right? Like this is a perfect example of where words sometimes just don't cut it. Um, And it it, it is about the energy. So Mm -hmm. my friends, thank you for listening. Stuart, it was wonderful to have you here. Thank you again for joining us. And, you know, it's been an honor and it's so nice to be able to connect with so many more people and just share a few stories, you know, because that's what we, that's where we came from, sharing stories. That is exactly where we came from and that is where we go and that is how we connect. Oh, so beautiful. From the bottom of my heart, listeners, thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Have a gorgeous day. Thank you for listening, my friend. We are deeply grateful you chose to be here. I trust that this has invited you, even if in some small way, to deepen your awareness, befriend your inner critic, and raise your vibration. Please follow us, leave a review, and share this podcast with a friend. If you have any ideas or feedback, please reach out. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. You are loved.